The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome I to The Big the Footy power. Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. As usual, I'm your host, Mac 19 and joining me is the lovely Porsche. Hello, did we trade Richter St Kilda already? Yes, yes. I see we got Fair a fifth-round uh, draft pick for him, so... That's not bad. It's more than I was expecting. Yeah, I was expecting pick 186, but, uh, you know, pick pick 97, um, I'm happy with that. Look, I mean, honestly, it's really just about offloading his massive, massive contract. So, um, yeah. 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 We did all right, whatever we got, really. Look, I think the team is, uh, is going to be much better for it as well. A lot more streamlined, I think, going forward. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, that's all great news. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to say we wish him well, but um, quite simply, I don't. So, uh, anyway, the, moving on. The, well, the real question is, do you wish him well more or less than you did Troy Chaplin? <laughs> oh, that's, that's, a bit, that's below the belt, that one. That is below the belt. Ah, oh, dear. Okay. Uh, speaking of below the belt, let's talk about uh, the big news that... Um, that oh, came fine. out today, out of, uh, out of the blue, Robbie Gray with uh, testicular awful, cancer. Yeah, gee, wow, wow, that's rough. Where did uh, where did that come from? That was uh, completely out of the blue. I think they've said that the uh, the tumor has been removed. He's going to do a short bout of chemo, and uh, obviously we uh, we wish him a very speedy recovery. It's pretty terrifying, isn't it? You know, very. <laughs> how it's, like he, you know, he got out through the season. He was pretty fit the whole time, and then at the end of it, oh, by the way, you've got cancer. Like, wow, you know, that's. Uh, that's a pretty big one, isn't it? Um, for these super it fit is. guys too, it, it's know, really, yeah. yeah, really, really seems undeserved. But um, yeah, seems, seems to be happening a reasonable amount uh, to AFL players in the uh, in the last few years. Yeah, but like I don't know, is, is it disproportionate with the world? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the stats. Probably not. Probably not. No, I'd, I would say the percentages. Probably be around about the same, I guess. You'd have to think so, really. Mm. Yeah, so obviously that's uh, that's terrible news. But um, look, so hopefully he has a full recovery and um, and nothing to worry about at all. Yeah, no, it's um certainly a bit of a downer, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah. It is. So let's get on upper and talk about the best and fairest. Yes, the best and fairest, uh, Paddy, with uh, 241 votes. He didn't accept the award in Yatla, um, as some were expecting, so that's good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, look, he had a great year, All-Australian. Um, he was one of our most consistent players throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Obviously had a few poor games, but um, you know his best games were absolutely stunning and, uh, and a well-deserved best and fairest. Yeah, now, look, linked to that, I feel that we kind of reached... With the, with the final placings, I think it was Paddy Ryder first and then Charlie Dixon second. That brings me yep. back to that discussion last week about how important Rockcliffe was. So mm. if Charlie Dixon is second best and best and fairest, then the rung above that is Ryder best and fairest and All-Australian. Then does that mean um, Rockcliffe's going to win us the Brownlow <laughs> in a grand final? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because that's kind of what Definitely. has to happen to you right now. <laughs> Plus the Norm Smith, I think, as well. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. Throw that in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, why not? Do the whole, do the whole lot. Why not? <laughs> I thought it was great to see Tommy Jonas lead for much of the count. 
um, which was very well deserved. He finished third. Uh, Robbie Gray fourth. He had a great year as well. Um, mm. I guess the big shot, and I'm sure you're going to mention it, is uh, Tommy Cleary finishing 13th. Yeah, that's a very big shot for me. I don't know why that would be. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't quite get it. He had some, like, he didn't just have, you know, serviceable games. Like, he had games where he, you know, really turned around a key matchup for us. So, yeah. Bit strange. Bit strange. I guess in a voting system like how it is, I, I think he had four or five games where he got zero votes um, in in terrible losses uh, against Sydney. Um, not against Sydney. Um, against GWS, he got none when Patton kicked six goals. I think he got zero against Franklin as well, zero against Kennedy. Um, so he, yeah, there, there was quite a few games where he just didn't poll, and uh, that obviously cost him. I, I was expecting him to finish top ten for sure, um, but yeah, obviously the uh, the coaches didn't rate his season high enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, it, it's still a respectable placing for a guy that's sort of just only really earned his spot full time. But it is it is a little bit odd. Um, the interesting thing was going through the best and fairest set. Uh, of players and because previously there was good to look at them because you'd know if someone was up for trade if they were about 10 spots lower than you thought they should be yeah, um, yep. but we, we didn't really have a lot of those like but we didn't really have much of that this time it seemed to be pretty predictable I think for the most part so yeah um, and obviously Trengo uh, finished 17th and he's now gone so that's uh, yeah yeah I mean that's um, that's an obvious one I guess if he's about 22nd or something, it's like, yeah, no, that's about right. Makes sense. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And I, uh, apparently Brendan IT said he wants to go to West Coast, and West Coast are offering, what is it, a fourth or a fifth round pick? <laughs> pick 69, I think it was. <laughs> nice. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, love uh, the number, but uh, yeah, I'll happily decline that one. Thank you. And uh, yeah, look, like, if we can, I think we asked for pick 48, and look, if we can get that, I'd be pretty happy. Well, we got Don Cassisi two picks later, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean that that's that's that you know that is just a ridiculous one uh, at that point. I, I don't know. I don't know why they even thought that would be worth offering. Because a lot of clubs would take that. Like, there's a lot of trades really? that are done these days for very low draft picks. Um, you know, in the you know fifties, sixties, eighties, nineties. Um, for players that do sort of look okay sometimes. I, so. look, I do agree, but that's not on the first day. I'm, uh, it's always the last, you know, <laughs> right? That's, like, that's what I guess is unreasonable about it. It's like, we want this player on the first day. Oh, okay, great. What are you offering? Nothing much, really. A bag of chips. <laughs> well, like, look, you know, that, that's a last day sort of thing. You're going to start and try and get thing. a bargain, aren't you? Like, you're not going to give your best offer first yeah, up. Come so. on, be realistic, you know. <laughs> Like at least, at least come in there with you know a, a, a sensible low ball rather than a what? Why would why are you talk? Why are we wasting time talking to you about this on day one? You yeah. know? We will happily trade you the Chris Main wearing wing sign at Subiaco for Brendan Archie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no like, thanks. Like that is that those trades are always meant to be like they're list they're last minute list management trades. When you say mm. yeah, okay, this is how the trade week's worked out. We'll do that trade now as opposed to day one. So that's just weird and kind of insulting. But there yeah. you go. And look, first day of this period was Friday, where we said goodbye officially to Jackson Trengove, who yeah, I'll run fill us back on speaker chat. Just want to point yeah. that out. Yeah, I think everybody would agree that. 
you know, there's going to be no hard feelings towards Jackson Trengove. I, I doubt he's going to be booed by our crowd. I think, you know, he put his heart and soul into our footy club. And, um, look, I'll be clapping him when we play him at, uh, at footy, pa- uh, footy Park, at uh, Adelaide Oval, um, <laughs> if he ever plays a game there. I'm still waiting for us to play Ben Jacobs, but uh, I don't think that's Yeah. Good. Look, um, I mean, as long as there's not just been a delay on the letter he sends to the players saying that he's happy to be at a professional club, then I think that there'll be no problems with um, Jackson Trengove at his new club, so uh, that should be fine. Um, oh, look, his Facebook message, um, I have to say, was all class. It was um, the, the best possible way to go out. Um, he was yeah. very thankful for everything that Port Adelaide's done for him, and he's just off to his next adventure, so that's uh, perfectly fine. Yeah, now there's also another thing in the best and fairest, I just want to zip back to that, and that's Bruce Weber being named as a, a life member posthumously, which I think yeah. is uh, certainly very Jew. Very Jew, yeah, there's no doubt. Like, I'm sure that he ruffled a hell of a lot of feathers, and I think Jack Cale said that in the speech about him, but... Um, you know, uh, he was a pig-headed guy at a time when we needed someone really pig-headed to get us out of the shitstorm that the SNFL would determine to put us through. So um, we went straight into that and came out the other side with the Port Adelaide power. So that's all right. We yeah. did okay. Did Instead of the Nordstert South Adelaide, whatever it was. Is. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the losers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. Oh, dear. The lattes. Um, yeah. So it looks like uh, Jack Watts is probable more than possible um, coming to Port Adelaide, which uh, which sounds like a good thing. Well, I mean, I kind of feel like the, the, the announcement that Josh Shackey wants to go south has probably made that the case as well. Um, yep. I think there might have been a couple of Melbourne clubs saying, yeah, we'll go for Watts. But as soon as Josh Shackey popped up and said, hey, I'm available, they probably just instantly... Their, their Jack Watts card. What's that yeah. Simpsons gift that we used to have on Big Footy, uh, where basically you have the um, the smiling Jack Watts shoved out of the way by the Josh Shackey? That's basically what happens. <laughs> no, I think no sheep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's basically what I think has happened. I think it's actually turned out really well for us uh, that Shackey is going home, despite our, our earlier speculation on this podcast that why did he resign at Brisbane? It's not a good fit. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, um, it just looks like. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it, it obviously yeah. hasn't worked out for him there. He's not shown any sort of form, which led to him being a number two pick. Um, hopefully, he can mm-hmm. get traded back to Victoria and show some of the form, which um, which uh, I guess draft watchers know he's capable of. Yeah, well, I mean, it, really, it was just a matter like his form this year was huge, usually a matter, I think, of um, there just not being a structure behind him. You know, he's a traditional key yeah. forward. Uh, and, you know, a young traditional key forward, maybe they're not necessarily going to automatically do well in that sort of setup as Brisbane's playing. Whereas yeah, here, Pipwood came out and he did it, but that's because he's sort of a bit more athletic, a uh, bit less lead and mark. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it is it is a bit strange. But, hey, that's cool. And if that means we get what's on the check, then that is also good. Um, Fine with that. Apparently Motlop's iffy, though. And, so, yeah, on the flip side, Motlop looks more possible than probable. Unfortunately, mm. but uh, you never know. You, you never know just what sort of games the Crows are playing. They've come out and denied that they've offered him any sort of contract. Uh, <laughs> I'm not not sure. I believe that. I, I still think Gold Coast are a big chance. He's best mates with Stephen May. Uh, they'll be throwing lots of money at him because uh, they need to spend it on someone. Um, we, we've just got to hope for the best. I, I think we've got an offer on the table and it's sort of take it or leave it. We're not going to sort of get into any sort of games with uh, 
um, with other clubs and end up overpaying for someone that we probably shouldn't. Uh, we just got to hope that Motlop finds um, playing for Port Adelaide attractive and that we've offered a decent-sized contract and uh, he wants to come and finish off what uh, Daniel started. Yeah, well, I mean, as much as the money, I guess it's th- there's also the, you know, for the certain sort of person, which I'm not sure that Motlop isn't, um, the idea of going to the Crows and getting the same sort of he's a superstar treatment that Charlie Cameron gets, that probably seems pretty tempting, I would have thought, you know, yeah. for, for a certain personality type, which, again, I'm not sure that he's not. Um, yeah, yeah, well, you know, that's not a bad thing to sort of go to a club that, was in the grand final, whatever else you might say, and go in as the guy that they rely on to be a finisher. Um, yeah, well, that that's not a bad that's not a bad situation for Motlop. So I would understand completely. I can't see him going to Gold Coast though, because that's just pissing your career away. Um, yeah. Gary Abbott will well, tell him they're in the if airport. He wants to go home. <laughs> if he wants to come home, um, and the next door neighbour's offering a hundred grand more, then it, it kind of makes sense. No brainer. No brainer. Yeah, yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not as if the Crows are a bottom four side or anything, you know. Um, no, so. well, there's every chance he might win a premiership there. Um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So why not? But I guess it all depends on whether uh, Cameron actually does leave or not. Um, they seem pretty staunch on not trading him. I think that um, is it, really. Mm. Mm. Uh, it sounds like Gibbs is off the table for them as well, so... Again, if, if they've got money to spend, they've got to spend it somewhere, and... Um, if Motlop looks like the perfect fit for them, then, you know, so be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame because um, we, we've been talking to him for a long time, I think, and um, obviously I, I think he would suit our game plan perfectly, and especially with Impey, um probably going. Uh, yeah, It leaves us probably a little bit slow, I think, um, and Motlop would sort of uh, help solve that issue. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I guess I'm not as concerned about it as you are, Macca, but yeah, it would be nice to add him. I agree, but I don't know. It is what it, it is. It is what it is. That's exactly it is right. What it is. That's it. Well, let's yeah. get on to our player reviews, and right. um, this one's titled "The In and Outs." Um, yeah. Yeah, there will be uh, minimal porn on this one, um, but we will talk about some uh, some decent footballers, uh, some footy porn, uh, if you will. Yeah. Um, and the first one is the Cobra, um, speaking of euphemisms. Uh, Matty Broadbent uh, played 15 games. Um, average 18 disposals, not his best year by any stretch of the imagination. Got dropped, um, I think, a couple of times. Missed out on our final. Uh, things just didn't seem to go to plan for Matty Broadbent this year. No, no, they didn't. Um, they had a pretty nondescript year. Um we talked about last week with our tall defenders and how the good thing about the, the top three that we think we have right now is that they can all play different sorts of roles. Um, Matty Broadbent, in a defence that was pretty overloaded with talent uh, for most of the year, like he just didn't have an exceptional trait that really gave him an edge, that gave him a role in the team. Uh, and yeah. it just sort of felt like that showed. Like he just, you know, he wasn't the rebounder, he wasn't the intercept marker, he wasn't the anything in particular. He was just an extra guy that you'd throw whatever you needed to do. Um, and it's nice to have those guys on your list, but maybe not in your 22 most weeks. Yeah, look, in, in previous years, he's been the intercept marker and he's been the player that we've sort of gone to to deliver the ball downfield. But he was neither of those this year and he just sort of was there playing the game, but not necessarily 
doing much, um, unfortunately. He did play a couple of really good games. I thought his game in uh, in China was excellent. Um, he played a really good game against Hawthorne as well. But you know, the back half of the season, he was just invisible, really. And you can see why he got dropped, and you can see why he struggled to, to work his way back into the side. Um, and I guess the next question is, where do we go from here with Matty Broadbent? Because look, our defence looks pretty settled. Um does he move into more of a, a midfield-type role? Um, or should he really be on the trade block? Um, he should be on the trade block, and I think he's probably a first reserve right now um, because the reality is, like, we've lost Jackson Trengove yet, and we might lose Impey, but neither of them are being played as backmen. So nothing's changed um, in that respect. Mm. If we don't tra- if we don't trade out a halfback of some kind, then, yeah, his situation is exactly the same next year as it is this year, which is that he's going to have to find a role in that team that is becoming... Pretty diverse and pretty settled, so mm. good luck. Could you see him potentially playing up forward like he did uh, way back when in 2012? He, he started as that uh, forward flank and was averaging a couple of goals a game there for quite some time during that season. Do you see him maybe performing some sort of Aaron Youngish type role up there? Uh, well, I mean, that kind of what you just said kind of says it. Like, is he going to do better at it than Aaron Young or? Potentially. I think he's a much better footballer than Aaron Young. Because, I mean, if we can get a, a, a flanker, and I guess we've got that stay as a space that we'll have when we trade Impey. Um, I guess that is a role that we could put him in potentially, but as to whether he'll actually perform in it, it's a long time since 2012. Mm. I, I kind of feel like he was a better player then, so I don't know than he was this year anyway. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've yeah. half... I'm not going to say we've ruined his career, but... I think he's become lazy in the way that he plays because we've wanted him to play so loose and not sort of play any sort of defensive role um, that when he's asked to do a defensive role, he, he kind of can't. And he's become kind of a one-trick pony in, in some aspects. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing about playing loose is that if you never play the other way, then you can... You know, loose players lose their, their idea of what's going on in a game. Like, we see that. In, and it's not just Port; that's every team. That unless you're an extremely disciplined player, um, and if you're if you play loose in defence, like it's very easy to get misled and whatever else, and not know exactly which contests to run to, particularly when the other defenders are actually having a pretty decent year themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, you, in a crap side, yeah, you can be a loose defender all day long yeah. um, because you just run at every contest because you have to. But when you don't have to. Making that decision to go, oh well, if I don't need to go to that one, where should I be going? Like that's tricky. That's 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 actually challenging for players. And in a defence as crowded as ours was in, as ours was in 2017, like that's a tough decision to work out which contest you should be running at, which opponent you should be running at, yeah. um, when there's so many people there. So, you know, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be able to do it, but like you can kind of see why that would be an issue for any player, mm. I guess. For sure. The reason why I like him up forward is that I think he's a very good mark. He's a he's a pretty decent contested mark as well, and he is a very, very good set shot at goal, um, which makes me feel like I think with those sort of traits, he could actually make it as a forward um, in that sort of youngy role and do it a fair bit younger, a fair bit better and a bit more consistent than what Youngie has as well. Well, I mean, if he takes, if we if we say, for example, that he takes the 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 okay-ish bits of Young and Impey and puts him in that role, then that's not too bad, even though he lacks Impey's pace. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm. Potentially. 
Uh, one player fighting for his spot is Riley Bonner, who played three games this year, averaged 18 disposals, played a ripper in that final. Um, he's only 20 years old. He's um, pretty much ready to go, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon he's around about the mark. Um, he had the terrible couple of preseason games, but when he actually put in the side, I think after the first game he started doing pretty well. So um, yeah, yeah, no, he did, he's, he's done all right. He's done all right. Um, and you have to think that you know, nineteen, um, he's definitely a shot to play games again next year. Um, yep. Yeah, no, he's 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 in a good space right now. Which I guess before he put that late call up, he probably wasn't. So um, that's yeah. Good. And as you mentioned, with Impey out of the side as well, I mean, there is probably a spot there for someone like Riley Bonner because we will need his pace and his kicking, uh, his, his breaking the lines. I think, all things considered, he should really be a lock to play, you know, 15-plus games next year. Um, I, I think so long as he doesn't sort of miss the boat in the preseason again, he should start round one, and it's really sort of his spot to lose, a spot in the side. I guess for me, there's only one knock looking at it now. I don't really know this until now, but I sort of knew it. Which is, that he's a tallish flanker, which is great. Yeah. He has had no contested marks in any of his games at AFL level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so for a tall, for a tall sort of loosish halfback player, like you've got to be taken into set marks. So he'll have to add that to his game. He's going to play in defence, that's for sure. Oh no doubt, no doubt. And look, I'm I'm sure he will because he, as you said, I think he's what 191. So he is uh, he's yeah. quite tall. He's a really good size. He's got great pace, great skills. Um, I thought he played a ripper in the final. I thought he was excellent against the Dogs as well. Um, so he's got some good form coming into next season. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's a long way to go with Riley Bonner. Absolutely, a long way to go. But yeah, it, he's he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. That's it. Uh, next one is a uh, big footy favourite, Brett Eddy. He played three games this year, kicked three goals, three. Um, obviously, he's uh, 27 years old, mature age recruit, uh, led the goal kicking in the SANFL, won the Ken Farmer medal. Um, but we've had uh, every Port fan you know, across the country screaming for him to get games, and it just didn't happen. Was that the right decision? It was the right decision, um, in my view. I, I kind of feel like like we're we're playing it. Okay. Port Adelaide in 2017 plays a game plan where Charlie Dixon has to run 10,000 times the length of the field just to have a pretty good key forward performance. Um, when Brett Eddie played, what he, all he showed was that he just didn't have enough tricks to really be able to be a reliable person, a reliable key forward in a, a side that is not necessarily having a, a stay-at-home forward every week because we don't, we didn't. Um, so unless we decide to, to dramatically change, unless the coaches decide to dramatically change how they play the game, then there's not really a place for Eddie at Port Adelaide next year, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. <clears throat> no, that's fair. Um, the things I liked about his three games were that he was impactful when he actually got the ball. He kicked three mm. goals. He kicked. He had five goal assists. Uh, he got involved when he was up there, and generally good things happened when he had the ball. The problem was that he just never got the ball. Um, nowhere near enough, really. He didn't take marks. He wasn't any sort of aerial threat. Um, it, it, and he didn't run and didn't work hard enough, in in my opinion. Uh, as you said, when you've got Charlie Dixon who has to do 100 hundreds every week, you really need someone to sort of um, you know get some of that slack back. And uh, he just wasn't able to do it. 
No, like it, even if it wasn't in fitness, it needed to be in, like I said, in tricks, in ability to lose the defender and make space and all that sort of stuff, or it needed to be in having a great leap, or it needed to be some exceptional attribute that defences find it hard to match up on. But being, you know, a sort of a bog stand height key forward that is all right on a league, and he's maybe pretty, he's maybe pretty good. The one thing he was good at was doing the sort of spin turn and playing on quickly. Um, but that's about it, really. Now we haven't released our delistings yet. Um, do you see? Anything- no. Staying next year at all? Nah, no, no, I don't really. No. Not even as experienced backup, just in case. Well, he's not though, is he? Like we talk about experienced backup, but what's the point of experienced backup when it doesn't match your senior structure, and um, the quality of it is debatable. Yeah. Um, you know, like if we have if we have in a situation where we have to replace Charlie Dixon with Brett Eddy, like season over season's over you know it's not a straight swap it means the entire team has to adjust to Brett Eddie and then when uh Dixon's back we have to adjust back to Charlie Dixon um it's not a, it's nowhere near a, a like for like um so the only person he'd be I don't he's not even a player in the side that we would be replacing with him Marshall maybe uh but Marshall's got very different attributes to Eddie as well um if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about like for like then you've got to make sure that your backups sort of resemble your main players and he doesn't yeah no that's fair that's fair uh, next player is Jasper Pittard, who played 17 games, averaged 20 disposals, kicked 0 goal 7 for the year. He's 26 years old. He was in the All-Australian squad last year. Uh, it was a big jump back for Jasper Pittard in 2017. Yeah, huge. Um, again, another player that probably suffered a bit from the crowded defence uh, and not, and I suppose from Hartlett playing back the whole year. Because um, I feel like they compete a bit. But then there's also his mm. individual performance just didn't seem all that great. Um, he took until the second half of the year for him to actually get a little bit of his attack back, which is the most. I mean, if you're not, if Jasper Pittard isn't being a, uh, aggressively going forward with the ball, then what is Jasper Pittard? You know, and that was yeah. the first half for him. Um, but you know, a little bit later on in the season, he did start doing that again occasionally, um, but nowhere near at the same frequency and with the same value to the team as he had in previous seasons. So yeah, yeah, really shitty year. <laughs> Yeah, it just didn't happen. Like he still got plenty of the ball. He averaged twenty touches a game, but his use was uh, was well below what we've come to expect. Um, mm. What he was so good at last year and the year before was his intercept marking, and then being able to sort of pinpoint a, a target. But that role sort of got taken by the likes of Cleary, Houston, and, and Hartlett. So he, he was left kind of where he was back in sort of two thousand twelve thirteen, as trying to be the creator. And, you know, once again, he, he just kind of worked himself into a lot of trouble sometimes and mm. Um, mm. just was not able to deliver downfield anywhere near the quality of ball that um, that we needed. No, he has a really long way off it. Um, I don't know what... It, it, look, it's, it's easy to say it's work rate. It could have been something else, but, it you know, just watching it just seemed to be work rate. It just seemed to be focus and not really being as interested or or as with the game plan as he has been in previous seasons. Yeah. Did, maybe he didn't feel he had a lot to prove. Maybe he felt like he was on the outer with the coaches. I don't know. But it seemed more of a mental aspect to his game rather than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of This is what happened. He kind of became Jared Pollock and Jared Pollock became what Pittard was, you know? <laughs> not yeah, the same bit. role, but, but that's sort of that attitude to the game yeah, sort of thing that seems to have swapped. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. They swapped. Yeah. It was a no, freaky Friday. Sure, I do agree with that. It was a freaky, yeah, freaky Friday. <laughs> I do agree with that. Um, can he get back to his best next year? And uh, we, we've spoken about him a lot on this podcast this year because he was um, 
there was a lot of conjecture whether he might head home, whether he's going to be traded, free agency, all that sort of stuff. And he's chosen to stay for another three years, I think. Um, is is he going to get back to his best? Well, I'm hoping it's not a freaky Friday because that would mean that Pollock would go back to bed and we need Pollock in good form more than we need Pitain in good form. But, um, yeah, look, he might. He might. It's going to come down to whether he really wants it or not. Um I don't know, like we've talked about it again, this is going to be rough on a guy that was also named life member this week, but when you've got a cadre in the squad that just sort of seems to be willing to play out their contract, then I wonder if that's a little bit contagious sometimes. Mm. I don't know. <clears throat> the question I've got is, our defence is very settled. Do we need Jasper Pittard in defence? Uh, if we got offered a good trade, I'd take it, if that's what you're asking. Um it's not. It's can we play him on a wing or somewhere else? Uh, look, potentially, but he's got to get back those aspects of the game that were most obviously missing this year, which was the fact that um, he, when he was creating, he wasn't getting it to a damaging position as much as he was in previous seasons. Like, that's it. Like, if he's going to play forward, then he's got to amplify that. If anything, he can't be less creative. He can't be less incisive and, and, and ability to uh, cut up the opposition. You know, he's got to be more of that all the game long. So it'd be a huge lift in his game to play that role, I think, from what we've seen in 2017. I'm not saying he can't yeah. do it. He's certainly got the attributes to do it, but it's just a matter of whether he will uh, do it. And on that, I'm a little bit doubtful. But, mm. you know, he's got a chance. Look, I'm thinking Impy out, White, you would think, is going to either retire or not be offered a contract, I would think. And <laughs> if we miss out on Motlop, I think Pittard's probably the next best case scenario of playing on a wing opposite of Polet because he takes the game on he can run he can deliver inside 50 uh, he's got that sort of confidence I think he's, he might actually be the best fit to play on a wing in that particular scenario look he might be but he's going to have to have a hell of an off season it's going to have to be absolutely huge um, not not just fitness wise but also in the coaches understanding what the coaches want and all that sort of stuff uh, he's going to have to work extremely hard if he wants to be that player because if he doesn't, if he just works as hard as he apparently worked this year, then he's not going to do it. He'll be playing in this NFL. Fair enough. Uh, next player is uh, Brendan Archie, uh, the new Eagle, who is. Yeah. He uh, played five games, kicked seven goals. He uh, won the Magpies Best and, uh, best and Fairest and uh, finished second in the McGarry Medal. Um, so he had a ripper year at SANFL level, but barely got a look in at AFL level. Um, what did you think of his year? Do you feel he was a little bit hard done by or did he get enough opportunities? Look, I mean, I think he's had enough opportunities over the last few years. Um, he had less this year than he had in 2015 and 2016. But, you know, what we saw wasn't really markedly different, uh, except that he didn't really do the long handball, really. Mm. That was about it. Um, yeah, he was playing forward a bit more for some of that. Um, and he was all right, uh, but he wasn't enough. So that's that, really. Yeah. I feel like we've just got much better players than him to play in his particular role, which is inside midfield. I think he did an okay job uh, playing up forward this year, kicked three goals against Gold Coast, kicked goals in every single game he played this year. So that was nice. Um, He does just fall in and out of games too much. Um, Look, If he does go to West Coast and he's part of their starting sort of midfield group, then I would expect that aspect of his game may disappear a little bit 
where he's probably got a bit more confidence and they're looking to him a lot more to win the bowl. Um, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen at Port Adelaide. Um, when you're six years in and you've only played five games in your sixth year, um, it's understandable that you're going to be either looking elsewhere or you're going to be trade bait anyway. Yeah, and look, I mean, this is the thing about uh, Archie is that I think his career at West Coast will be defined entirely by whether he gets added to a, a winning side or if he gets added after added to a losing side. Um, mm. In that, if if they've got if their midfield's working when he joins, he might find a way to fit in. He might do really well. But if he, if West Coast have one of their down weeks when he joins, he's just going to look like an idiot and um, he won't last very long at all. Mm. Uh, which is not to say that that's on him. But but it is a bit basically because that's it. He hasn't shown any ability to turn a game um, at all. You know, if we're doing well, then he looks yeah. pretty good. And if we're yeah. not doing well, then he's nowhere to be seen, pretty much. Uh, yeah. And those players at AFL level are not particularly important. You're probably going to have a couple of them in your 22, but I'm sure West Coast can find them anywhere. Yeah. Well, good luck to him. I, I really like Brendan, and um, you know, he's, he's played some really, really good games for Port Adelaide in his uh, in his uh, tenure here. And uh, well, I'll certainly wish him all the best going forward. Yeah, good luck to him. But um, if he thinks he's going for pick 69, he's dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, next player is Jack Homsch, who um, had a pretty dirty year once again. Um, played just the 13 games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, things just didn't seem to get going for him. Um, do you think his hip injury and his injuries that he's received over the last couple of seasons have really damaged um, how he tries to play the game? Look, I mean, that's probably not an unreasonable suggestion to make. Um, he doesn't play like he did originally. Um, but I also feel this is a very important part of it, which is that the seasons that we would say that Homsch played best out of fence was worse. And I think we're just kind of reaching the point where defence is getting better than Homsch. He hasn't changed much. Um, I don't know about that. I reckon... Uh... I reckon. Okay. Well, his best year was 2014, and I reckon he was um, uh, he was part of a pretty bloody good defensive group then. But his flaws are the same, and everyone his flaws and... are the same. I think his flaws are probably worse because he just can't. I don't know. He's he's lost his sort of pep a little bit. Like he's he's struggling for pace. He can't keep up. He's sort of always seems to be trailing his his man. But he always, um, he usually that, that did intercept. though. Oh. He well, did. Like he, he plays from behind, but what I came to really, and probably every Port supporter came to love about Jack Homsch was that was his intercept marking, his ability to read the play, and his ability to beat his opponent in one on ones. And those three things have gone from his game. Yeah, but it's not just that they've gone from his game, but that we have other players can do it now as well. Mm-hmm. Like you know, again, if we didn't have other players that can do it, he would probably be getting a few more opportunities to to try it for a start, and we'd probably still be saying, "Oh, he's just an off year," but. Because our defence as a whole, I'm not just talking the tools here, I'm talking about our defence as a whole, is a bit better than it was. Uh, certainly, It's certainly more varied than it was. Uh, it's certainly more intercepted than it was, I would argue, as well, um, with Houston coming in particularly. I think that's just sort of shown that, okay, we've actually got his strengths in other players, so what's he adding? Yeah. Um, and that, that's, the, that's got to be terrifying for an AFL player when you realise that the good things you do are actually covered by other players that are playing. So what are you adding that's unique? Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Solstar in uh, the Spreaker chat has said, Porsche, you have never rated Homsch. That's not true. 
I mean, it's it's probably been a long time since I have super rated him, but I've rated him as a third key backman. That's what I rated him as. Yeah. Uh, that's always been. I've never said. I think I might have contested with people when they said he was going to be a fullback or a centre halfback, and no, he hasn't. Going to, wasn't going to be, and he isn't. Um, he's the third tall. I think we all expected him to become our fullback because he played so well as that third tall, and you just sort of thought, well, natural progression, he'll just sort of take over from Carlisle. Um, uh. But it just hasn't worked out. Um, he's he's not able to play that sort of. Uh, tight marking one-on-one role against the number one key opponent. He really does need to be that third toll. Um, and look, I mean, I, I don't think he's ever had the body strength to play that sort of role either. Like, yeah. that was a huge part of it. You know, because yeah. you talk about taking over from Bobby Carlisle, like, that was a strength role. Mm. He can't do that. No, you're right. Um, do you ever see him playing 22 games of AFL footy again? Oh, yeah, we can get injuries like any club. So, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. Do you think his body can hold up? for 22 games of an AFL that, season? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? Because we've got a new fitness coach now um, who theoretically will use the same regime as the old one, but whether that same regime holds up over multiple years, who knows? Um, don't know. You'd have, you, we've had a, look, we've had a uniquely good year of, of injuries this year, so who's to say it will get better? It doesn't seem that likely, so yeah. maybe not. Well, I still hold out hope for Jack. I, I really like Jack Holmes. He's a very popular player around the club, and look, his positive traits are, are very, very good. Um, and hopefully he can get over his uh, injury issues and, and get back to being the player that we know he can be. Because uh, I still think that he can certainly play um, a, a, a very valuable role in our first 18. I think he's comfortably behind the three guys we've talked about, um, and he's going to have to find something new to not be that. Uh, last player um, is Jarman Impey, who uh, Jarman uh, out the door. See you later. He wants to go home. He's cracked the sads. His best mate's gone home, and uh, he's going to follow him. He um, he played twenty games this year, kicked fifteen goals, um, played a, a couple of different roles as we've come to expect, but um, seemed to mostly play up forward this year. And uh, look, fifteen goals in twenty games probably not good enough. Not for a full-time forward, no. Um, and to, and, the, and I think the most memorable thing about Jarman Impey's season is the ones he missed more than the ones he got. Oh, um, you know, like the fact that he, he'd see him streaming to goal and go, ah, oh, I'm not sure I can kick this. So he'd do a dinky little kick sideways to someone that he definitely couldn't kick it. Yeah. Um, or he'd do a big spray. He just, he, he learned fairly early in the season that he was not going to be doing well kicking goals and that just, clearly affected the rest of his year, really. Yeah. Um, well, I thought he had a good patch uh, mid-season where he kicked uh, 10 goals in five weeks. Um, but outside of that, my, as you said, as I've said a few times on the podcast, I, you know, seven times out of 10 when he has a snap, a goal it goes you know, further away from the goal from where he had the snap from. Like It just seems to go backwards. Um, he just can't snap the ball. And when you're a small forward, you that Seems to be a pretty sort of integral part of your uh, of your kit bag. Um, look, I, I love his pace. I love his creativity, his agility. Um, his skill level is just not good enough. Um, I don't know. I I just have this sinking feeling that he's going to go somewhere else, and it's just all going to click for him, and he's going to be the player that I, I expected him to become. Um, which uh, which is worrying. Uh, I, I think that's worrying for me, but. No, it's not worrying for me because I feel like, for me, 
I feel like the problem with Jarman Impey is that his mental agility is nowhere near close to his physical agility, in that if he's acting purely on reflex, he's all right. But if he has to think quickly through a situation, that's when it all starts falling apart. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I don't know if you I don't know if you improve that. Like the only way you improve that is by learning the game plan to a point where it's at an instinctual level. Mm. Uh, he hasn't well, managed that. It before. happened with Jasper. It happened with Jasper. Like, oh, I, I, think, I think Jasper's the opposite. Jasper's the opposite. I reckon, I reckon his mind was always seeing what he was trying to do and his body wasn't keeping up, which is very much more improvable. But I think that mm. he's got the opposite. He's got the exact opposite. He's athletically everything you want, but it's oh, just a matter sure. of the brain keeping up. No doubt he's athletically spot on for what you want at AFL level. But um, you are right, his, his mind doesn't seem to keep up. But look, I, I still think Jasper's the same. Like those early years of Jasper where he would just sort of take off and then have no idea what the hell he was doing. Um, yeah, It's kind of similar to what Jarman is like now. I guess the, the, the one saving grace is that Jarman's been here for, for, what, four years now and he's not improved at all. Um, you know, he's, he's had the odd really good game here and there. Um, he's had games where he's been pretty dominant here and there, but it, it's, it's always been the exception, uh, not the rule. Um, so I guess that's one thing that um, keeps me at ease is that four years in, you really should have improved your output, um, but he just hasn't. Look, I think anyway, his output's really going to improve much is with placement on the field. And if he goes to a club that does the right thing, by him and plays him at half back to receive the releasing kick where he can just do big runs down the wing and then sort of bomb it to a, a pretty good forward line that can adapt for his errant kicks. I think he will have a fan, he could have a fantastic career doing that. It'll be a very rigid role that will be breakable by good coaches, but if it's at a club that isn't playing grand finals, he could play, you know, 100 games more there doing that. So, um, yeah, like he's, he's, he's got half of what he needs. And you can turn that into a career at AFL level if you in the right circumstances. So, oh, that, that, I mean, that's players that's, who've had half a <laughs> yeah, yeah half a skill set who've played you know 100, 150 games. Yeah, and that's probably why he has to be really picky about what club he goes to as well. You know, um, like if he can go to a Hawthorne that can give him a nice structured role that suits his strengths and doesn't allow too much of his weakness to come through, then yeah, you know, he could have a good career. Yeah. Well, I always had visions of him becoming a, a very good midfielder who could pick up 20 disposals a game with his pace and agility. He'd be very, very hard to stop, but he's just been nowhere near it. Um, yeah, it, it's a real shame. It's, it's a shame to lose him. Um, what do you think we'll get for him? Look, I really have no idea. Um, I'm, I know that everyone says, oh, a pick in the blah, blah, blah. But I don't want picks that much, you know. It would be nice to get a, it. would be nice for us to get a player, Yeah. So I don't know who that would be from whatever club he ends up going to, but um, we well, know what we like need. He's, he's nominated Hawks. So well, I don't um, want Billy Hartung because I know that they're trying to offload <laughs> him. If we, if we get Billy Hartung, oh, I'm think, spitting the dummy. I'm done. I think Billy's on his way to West Coast <laughs> somehow, but um, I don't know. Do we go for maybe a Tim O'Brien? Look, that'll be all right. If worth a punt, why not? Yeah. Like Is there the, any, you know, anyone else on that list who you think... Valuable that they could part with. Well, the reality is that um, it might not be on their list, but we need small forwards of some quality, and they don't have to be all stars. They don't have to be Eddie Betts's, but we need 
smallish forwards, medium forwards, and ideally not 18-year-olds. So if there's a club out there that's in a position where they're like, yeah, we don't, we've got maybe more of that than we need, then that might be the sort of player we end up trading a, a potential a guy on potential like MP4 rather than just straight up pick. Because uh, I think we do need that sort of player, and I think that that is the sort of player that we might look to trade in. Don't know who it would be. I haven't done a look through all the lists, but I, I would not be surprised if we targeted that kind of player. Yeah. Look, I would happily accept a second-round pick next year's draft, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I'll be all, all on board for that, sure. Mm. Well, that's it for this evening. All right. Easy. That easy, is easy. it. Very good. Wow, that was Done. a quick one. Wow. <laughs> it was a quick one. Have, we've got one more of these to do, haven't we? Or we've is it got one, or two one more, more called uh, New, Newcastle. Uh, that's the last one that we're doing. And then we're on to the draft podcast. All right. Oh, it's going to be good. I'm going to have to watch all the games this weekend. It'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to be completely footballed out. It's going to be fantastic. What a great yeah. weekend I've got coming up. Good stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. Until ah, next lovely. time. Yeah. Can for and Can a pair. And good luck at St Kilda, Rick. Good luck, Rick. It's been <laughs> great. Punched away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Two or two back and almost brought it down. Here's James. He's had a marvellous game. He puts him in front. Roger James gets his second.